We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello and welcome to The Sports Social, bringing you this week's heartbreak, humanity and joy from sport. Hello, Georgie. Hi, Liveth. How are you? I'm great. That's good. How was your week? It's been a whole week. It's been a long time. I am really struggling with the birds and the sun at the moment because... (laughs) (laughs) That sounds terrible. The sunshine and birds. Yeah, they've been a dark Bloody place. Hell. No, it's just that they're outside my children's windows and at 5am or even 4.30, everyone in my house is awake because no, of that's not acceptable. goddamn birds and the sunlight. And our friends in New South Wales and Victoria and possibly other southern states don't have to deal with it. But because we don't have daylight savings, everyone in my house is awake at 5am. Well, that's a can of worms. <laughs> daylight <laughs> Let's savings. go there. No, let's not. But what about the cows, Georgie? <laughs> oh, the curtains. Oh, the curtains. What will we do about the curtains? Whatever will we do. <laughs> do you know, I don't know why daylight savings is only an hour change, but every time you have to deal with the southern state, you're like, hang on. Hang on, are they forward? Are they back? It's impossible. And I know that my friends in Sydney and Melbourne, it's the same thing. Everyone sits there going, oh. Wait, where are you? Which way do we go? Oh, no, you're in Brisbane. Oh, okay. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Just get on. Just like let's all get on the same wavelength, please. (laughs) That would be helpful. Uh, In other serious topics, I would like to talk to you about the men's cricket uniforms for Australia. Please. What colours would you think our uniforms would predominantly be for a World Cup, is that it's a not trick? A, it's not a trick question. Oh, okay, just, um, just green and gold. Yes. <laughs> so, I turned on the TV the other night to watch the Aussies, and they're wearing a gold top, and it's got Aboriginal prints or Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander prints all over. It looks amazing, and then their pants are black. What? I find it bizarre. The Are other, they playing like South Africa? Or no, something? there was. It's not like they have a, like a, a different. Clash? Yeah, it's not like a. You know how in soccer sometimes they wear different kit depending yeah. on the team they're playing. No, they've just got the one kit. Weird. And I don't weird. understand why they've done it. Yeah. Big, big issues. Um, <laughs> big, big issues. Big, Top of the show. Big, What's huge. going on? <laughs> um, and the other thing, and it was pointed out by an ABC reporter, is that in years gone past they've done, or may, sort of maybe back in the 90s, they would do a World Cup kit and the South Africans would have it in their country's colour, but there would be a theme. Okay. So they'd all have a similar type of uniform, but, you know, South Africa would have their colours, Australia would have their colours. So there was a bit of a vibe of, oh, this is the 1994 Cricket World Cup or this is the whatever. And this year it's all shiny and all over the place. Like everyone's got something quite different. It's just a missed opportunity. I mean, that's a marketing miss, really, (laughs) don't you think? In our deep experience of marketing. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you know this, but I was a marketing manager for a startup tech oh company gosh, for I about got that. 18 months. As a marketing expert, Libby, what's well, your take on this? It's a missed opportunity. Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's weird. Are we doing well? Uh, not necessarily. We've won one and we've lost one. And then we... We were playing England and that game got cancelled because of the rain. Yeah. There's been a lot of rain in Melbourne. It's impacted a lot of games at the MCG. It's meant that Ireland beat England oh. because 
there's this Duckworth Lewis method where when you're oh when you, the old Duckworth yeah, Lewis I knew, method. I knew you'd love that. <laughs> It's a classic. <laughs> Gets them every time. So under that method, the game had been played enough that they could make a call on who the winner was and based on the results up until the time it got cancelled, <laughs> Ireland won. And Ireland, you've never seen a crowd so absolutely joyous that their team has somehow miraculously beaten England. They are going to be just frothing over the Duckworth Lewis method, <laughs> yeah, method, method for the rest of you time. Said, yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, so Australia's actually in a spot where they've got to perform really well and they've got to have a couple of things go their way for them to get out of the rounds and into the quarters and semis and finals. Right. It's, it's dire. Pre- it's pretty competitive. <laughs> but it's also, if you don't get it right, they're such short, sharp games. If you don't get it right at, at that moment, mm. then you've missed your opportunity. Which is the exciting thing about T20, right? Oh, it is so exciting. Yeah. The most exciting match of cricket I've watched in like 20 years, I think, happened between India and Pakistan. There were ninety more than 90,000 people at the MCG. We, when we had spoken to Matthew Hayden, he had said, you're going to want to watch this match. It's mm. going to be huge. And I think I was like, okay, like, sure. I'll tune in. Yeah. And I tuned in and it was huge. Just a stadium absolutely filled to the rafters. It, it, it's not a – it's a neutral match. It's mm. not. It's, but on our soil we managed to have 90,000 people watching a game between two other countries. So cool. The – Match was watched by so many people worldwide and even the clip of the ABC reporter calling the last ball has gone viral. (laughs) I think as of the weekend he had 5 million views on Facebook. (laughs) Right? On the Facebook? On the Facebook. That still exists? It does in Asia. (laughs) So the Asian market is devouring this stuff. And, yeah, so an absolutely amazing match, like everything that – you could want in a cricket match excitement no balls where people then got out and could play on and wow uh an epic run chase that where you had to smash a run off the final ball to win so India won that match and it was so close and so good that's awesome love it yeah it's really cool so cool so Georgie Mm -hmm. you have a real treat on the show today okay I know her as Nicole Livingston the swimmer Mm -hmm. you know incredible backstroker Olympic medalist Incredible athlete for swimming in Australia. She's recently gotten inducted into uh, as a life member into Swimming Australia. She also recently won Sporting Person of Influence um, for the Women's Health Awards. Oh, wow. And she is currently heading up AFLW. So she is leading the pack, leading the charge. I think CEO is probably yeah, we, what that we, title is. Possibly. Maybe we could ask her. <laughs> Maybe we could ask her. But let's get Nick on the phone. Hello. Hi, Nick. It's Libby and Georgie. How are you? Morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you going? Yes, there we go. We're good. We're good. Are you, you? You've got the day off today. Oh, yeah. As much as you can have the day off when you're in finals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Classic. It's a notional yeah. day off. <laughs> yeah, the business has got the day off. So yeah. <laughs> um, but anyone that's working on W doesn't. Oh, I love it that you call it W. That's great. Yeah. Very arrogant, isn't it? No, it's brilliant. <laughs> How many other W sports there are and we call ours W? No, own no. it. We wanted to chat to you today because, you know, AFLW or W, I'm going to now call it W2, has just gone from strength to strength and, you know, you've really been the leader of, of that charge. What are you most proud of over the last few years in AFLW? 
very serious question to start. AFLW is going great. Um, two seasons in one year. Yeah, I think uh, everybody's looking forward to doing justice to get to the grand final point. We're, we're at our longest season ever of 90 home and aways and nine finals. And to think that we started seven seasons ago with 28 matches and one grand final, like it's just wow. huge. That's amazing. Nicole, What I know that there's been some commentary around uh, the growth in the game and it happening so quickly, but it seems to have really worked. What strategies have you guys put in place to support those newer teams coming into the comp and making sure that it does stay competitive throughout the tournament? Well, the first thing to acknowledge is that with growth, there's always growing pains and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, exactly. um, no, we're certainly not at the end point of our destination on um, journey AFLW, but it's one hell of a journey. So, you know, sometimes we do have some blowouts in the scoreline. We've had four new clubs come in this, this season. But if you look at just six years, we've gone from eight to 10 to 14 to 18, which is fast. You know, anybody just doing a normal business plan and, and modelling would go, no, that, that's just too fast. But what we found was the longer we waited to bring in the expansion clubs, the more the gap in performance was. Mm. So even if you look at the ladder now, there are so many of the foundation clubs, the original eight that are in that top top age. So, yeah, it, it was just about trying to bridge that gap. It was probably, you know, thinking about this year, I mean, Sydney without having a facility, Hawthorne without having a facility, you know, they end up being a bit gypsy-like trying to find places to train and trying to find places to play. But I think on both of those two clubs that we talk about and the other two uh, expansion clubs in Port Adelaide and Essendon, I mean, their efforts this year to bring a team together and other than Sydney, you know, they've all won matches, but Sydney's just got better each and every each and every week. I think it's been a real success for them. I'm I'm fascinated because you you've come from swimming obviously and you also then went into do a lot of swimming commentary and media work. How did you kind of then move into sports administration? Mm-hmm. And I because I think that's a really interesting career yeah. path for athletes post sport. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it was never it was never a, a stop start. It was always fluid. So whilst I was doing swimming I was doing commentary mm. whilst I was doing commentary I was starting to do sports administration and the start of that was you know wanting to understand the governance of sport and wanting to be involved in boards so my very first board was a board that you were very successful at the 2007 world swimming championships in mm. Melbourne and then you know it, it started from there from boards and you know being involved in the governance I certainly understood as TV started to slow down that you know, for financial independence for myself and to continue a, a seamless career life, I, I needed to really reinvent myself. So I kept the commentary going and I kept doing that, but started to um, try to upskill myself and also put myself out there for opportunities. So I did the um, company director's course and then just started to have conversations with people around, you know, what is it that I could do? I was on the board of Swimming Australia and moving into sports administration through running Melbourne Vic Centre, mm. which was a swimming club that I that I swam for at the Olympic Games as a little, a little girl. I started there when I was about 10. And then we, I worked right up until the 2016 Olympic and Paralympic Games where we had six athletes that went across there, including Mac Horton. And, you know, we had Ahmed Kelly, mm. uh, Ashley McConnell. Um, you know, we had some amazing athletes that went across and, and not only competed well, you know, they won gold medals. So, yeah, and then I just moved across. When the AFL uh, advertised this role, I put my hand up for it and, and 
you know, I wanted to be able to have an opportunity to go through an interview process with the AFL, and they kept inviting me back. Oh, um, and five so years good. later, actually, I, I did my I did my um, career review with them uh, last week, and I was in the same room with two of the same people that interviewed me the very first time five years ago. Wow! Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm really loving it. Given your experience in administering sport in this country and particularly women's sport given everything that's gone on in the last couple of weeks around funding and sponsorship what do you think Mm. needs to change for women's sport to attract the dollars that they need to survive yeah it's a really interesting conversation and it's one that I have been having uh, anytime I get the chance publicly to talk about this you know whether it's speaking engagements about AFLW or you know, interviews, I do. There is a big difference between men's and women's sports mm. in terms of what corporate Australia is paying. Mm. And it's worldwide. It's not just, a, you know, Australian, you know, and we are judged on traditional men's metrics, which is bums on seats, eyes on the TV or eyes, eyes on screen. So what we do know is that women's sport is doing a hell of a lot more than just what we see inside the white lines. You know, it's changing the opportunity for women in community sport. You know, more women and girls are having opportunity to get involved to either administer, coach or play the game or umpire the game. And they're also getting more opportunity to, in the governance side, so be on committees, be presidents of clubs. We've seen so much of that with with women and women shouldn't just be looking after women's business. They should be having the opportunity to work in all sport. Um, so we're seeing that and, and, you know, we're trying to invest in that to empower our women in the industry as well. But I, I often say to corporates, and this is happening a little in America, maybe not so much if we're all heading into a recession, but, you know, I look at the Angel City Soccer Club, which is predominantly owned by women. Fascinating. You know, people like Serena Williams, Natalie Portman, I think they've only let a couple of guys in and one's James um, Corder and the other one's Serena Williams' husband, Ali. <laughs> yep. That's cool. um, but they're, they're actually going to corporates and saying, this is the sponsorship dollar, but if you want to pay more, then we'll set that money aside and we'll put it into a pool that goes back to our players. So I, I often say to corporate Australia when I'm speaking, you know, you can say to me, oh, what about women's pay or what about, what about this or what about that? But what are you doing when it comes to your desk? And you see a sponsorship deal for men's sport and women's sport and you see the difference in what is being asked. Mm. are you lifting the bar as well? Because I know from an AFL point of view, like we're investing hundreds of millions of dollars into women's football and AFLW. So we can't do it ourselves. No. We can't do it alone. And we need others to come with us on, on this equality ride to try and, you know, raise the tide of all women's sports. Obviously, AFLW has come such an incredible way in the last seven years and yet there still feels like there's such a long way to go in terms of that equality. What are you hoping to achieve in the next seven years? It's a really interesting subject as well because I look at the growth that we've had and six years ago we had no, seven years ago, we had no women being paid to play Australian football. Mm. And if you fast forward now, six and a half, seven years later, we've got $25 million in player payments in this season alone and we've had two seasons this year. So everything that we've done has been growing very fast. There are, there are two things that I'm looking at now. One is just to settle the ship, to actually get the roots embedded and, you know, really strong so that there are some, some challenging times. You know, we're, we're steady and we're strong. 
progress can be deemed um, or judged in different ways. I look at, you know, from, even from 28 matches and one grand final to 90 matches mm. and nine finals. I mean, that's huge progress. We do need to grow. I'm going to contradict myself. We, we do need to grow our data set. We need to grow the amount of people that are coming to footy. We're in a new time in the, in the calendar. We need to grow the amount of people that are coming because we've diluted the crowds by putting more and more matches on. Mm. And then we need to get more people to actually watch it. They're engaging really well in screens in terms of social media platforms and digital media, but we need to get them to actually sit down and watch footy. So they're the things that I'm, that I'm looking at. I think it's an interesting phase at the moment where we are in a situation where athletes are asking for more and more and more, you know, and I think footy, the women have always pushed for progress, they've always pushed for more. And I think sometimes in that push, you lose the joy in what you're doing. Yeah. So I think right now we actually need to celebrate what we're doing, enjoy the joy of what we're doing. I don't believe we need to grow any bigger right now. Mm. Um, you know, year-round contracts is probably the next piece in the puzzle so that they have a formalised off-season so they can go into clubs and they can be, you know, having the best people around them to be able to train. But I think season-wise we should stay where we are and not, not go any longer and then really try to make it kick-ass, as kick-ass as we possibly can yes. with that 14-week period of time. Nicole, it's honestly so inspiring. As someone who loved playing sport but never had the opportunity to play AFL, to know that my girls and my nieces can go out there and play AFL and kick then, ass, uh, yeah, and kick <laughs> ass and see, and then turn on the TV and watch AFL women run around, like score epic goals, have a great time, and and be role models for them. I just think. We've come such a long way and you should be absolutely congratulated for taking us there. Oh, thank you. And as important as all of your girls, because I know you've got a whole brood of girls up there, <laughs> as important as it is for your girls to see it, it's also important for little boys to see it as well. Absolutely. Women's involvement in sport. So, my, yeah, it's pretty cool. My little boy actually said to me the other day, Mummy, when can we watch the boys play sport? <laughs> <laughs> Not in this house, Not- sweetheart. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> That's amazing, Nick. Thank you so much for your time. We're, we're so incredibly grateful. No worries. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Nicole. Nicole. Chat yeah. soon. Bye. 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 What a legend. I just get all tingly and excited because oh, it's she, just like, oh, I love this. When she said about Angel FC, oh. <laughs> you were like, yes. <laughs> because it's a really interesting model. It's women owning a, a soccer team in LA. It's, it's as simple as the team colours mm. are appealing and the – marketing material is interesting and the merchandise is stuff I would want to wear like I'm actually interested in it I didn't know how excited I could get about sports administration (laughs) I know I was like oh that sounds so fascinating and what Nicole has been able to achieve outside of the elite performance of sport and then you know she's taken what she's learned there and through her media and commentary work and is just absolutely smashing it and really clever how she was doing commentary but she could see that was on a decline and so she started to pick up administration just Mm. that having a look and swimming she realized her swimming career was coming to an end so picked up commentary just that foresight to have a look forward and see what's my next step how do I make this work how do I stay in sport which I love so much yeah and not necessarily swimming because there's so many things she will have learned in swimming that'll be helpful to AFL. Oh, exactly. And there's so many things she will have learned in AFL 
W or just W, w just W, which she will be able to take to other sports and they will benefit so greatly from that experience that she's had. I love women who are just kicking butt, just rocking it. So cool. It's very inspiring. What else has happened? Oh, F1, <laughs> our old favourite. <laughs> Any chance we get. I love talking about this sport. <laughs> According to Jace, Danny Rick did well. When did he become Danny Rick? I don't know, is but this, I like Is it. this a hangover from Austin? He really reveled in that cowboy scene. He really did. I don't know if I started Danny Rick. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Mate, is that my mate tonight, that's what we call him, Danny Rick. Right. I don't know if I We're started We're just lazy, it. really. It's just, it's just shorter. You don't want to say Daniel Ricardo. No, nah, it's too much. Danny Rick. Danny Rick. Well, Danny Rick did well. He was driver of the day. Which didn't know was a thing, but was is apparently voted for by how team do, principals, which Jason told me, so we, I can't claim that. <laughs> I don't know how we missed that that was a thing. They obviously don't put it up on the podium. It's just like something that they do, wait for it, in the paddock. Oh, is it? That's the technical term. Pa- yeah, oh. they call it the paddock. I was going to say box, but that's not right. No, li- oh, Libby, no. No. <laughs> In the paddock. In the paddock. In pit lane. Well, I find it ironic that they call it a paddock because it's like concrete from concrete. start to finish, but they do call it the paddock. Apparently Verstappen won. Won. Again. 14th win of the year. Most wins for any driver in a single year. So that's beating Michael Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel. Yes. Very big names in the sport. Yeah. He's absolutely. Not most wins ever, but most wins in a single season. In a single season. He's absolutely dominated yeah this year well he's won so yeah and he keeps winning he keeps winning the other interesting thing to note is that daniel ricardo danny rick please is his correct name uh may be becoming the backup driver for red bull what how do we feel about this well i was gonna say how do you feel about well finally he's going back to where he should be (laughs) We can all agree he's with my made two, the, my, finally the correct decision. With my deep understanding of F1, I feel like this is a good choice. But it is an interesting thing because he probably won't race next year unless someone gets injured or sick. Yeah. Do you get injured in F1? Yeah. A little bit of RSI. I don't know if you've seen some of the crashes. Oh, yeah. I mean, other than the crashes. <laughs> I mean, we don't wish them upon people. No, no, no. No, we don't wish that on anyone, but... I think it's a possibility. The other thing is that uh, Gunter over at Haas yep. has said, look, Danny, if you want to give me a call, we could talk about something, but you've got to call me. Yeah. Which is Danny Rick's not going to call Gunter. Well, I think we've got to wait and see how this plays out. He's got to go back to Red Bull, surely, even if it is in reserves. But he's not a second. This is the thing. He's not a second driver. No. Sergio Perez, Checo, he's a good second driver. He's yeah. like a classic. He's a team player. Team player. You know, there's, because there's for those, a hierarchy. For those who haven't watched F1 before, you have a team, inverted commas. There's two drivers. And, and there's two drivers, but they really operate as separate units for so much of it. And in some instances, they sort of pit each other off against each one another. Well, until like they're individuals going for their own points mm-hmm. until – the first driver, which there's always a first and a second driver, mm. is like almost about to win and then the second driver has to like fall behind them. Mm. Like it doesn't happen super often but often enough for you to know that there's a hierarchy. You know where you are in the pecking order. You know order. where you are. Yeah. 
I think there's only a few races left to go of the F1 season. Yeah. And then we will need and to find a new mo- motorsport to talk about. Oh, oh one we thing. Had the GC 500 over the weekend. Was that at the Gold Coast? Correct. I saw G- palm trees. GC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see <laughs> what you did. GC 500. Yeah. Yeah. It is Monday. Mick, I don't know who won. Mick, here's, was, here's an, an interesting thing. Mick Dewan's son. So Mick Dewan. Was a b- motorbike rider. Yeah. Like in the 90s, I feel like he was a big deal. His son. There's a roller coaster at Dreamworld, isn't there? Really? I think so. Well, Mick Dewan Coaster. Mm. Don't, don't you ride a bike? <laughs> Am I just making things I up th- again? I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> you could be right. Who's to say? Um, don't fact check it. Just Mick Doohan's son. Let me finish my sentence. <laughs> Mick Doohan's son. <laughs> oh. Go on. Thank you. Mick Doohan's son is somehow coming into F1. John Doohan? I don't know. Did you just make that up? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I think we should move on to something else. <laughs> He's going into F1, though. I think so. <laughs> I think he is. Well, that's all I was saying. And you managed to make it out to be like a whole two-minute episode. I don't know how you did that. Mick Dewan's son, It was John. just meant to be a comment that you evolved into a paragraph. It's quite a skill you have. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for coming on this ride with me. Is it the Mick Dewan ride? <laughs> Good. Oh goodness! Okay. Oh, okay. F1. Thank you, as always, <laughs> for giving us such good content, <laughs> such good laughs, such good times. Um, what else? Oh, I should say, swimming. Um, can you- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, swimming. And swimming. Like, how did we get there? No, we we Nowhere. weren't there. <laughs> I didn't segue or anything. Um, Katie Ledecky, amazing American swimmer. She broke the 1500 freestyle. Yep. Okay. Distance freestyle. Uh, she broke the 1,500 metres freestyle world record in short course metres in a random in-season competition. Wow. And not only did she break it, she absolutely obliterated it by, I think, 10 seconds, 8 seconds. Like, unbelievable. And she missed the 800 metre world record as she was going through. By like 0.3 of a second. Holy smokes. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Hang on. How, like, how seriously do you guys take short course? Is, that a, is it a really big deal? No, a lot of athletes miss like the world short course, which is happening in December in Melbourne actually this year. So short course for anyone who doesn't know is 25 metre. Yes, Georgie. Yeah. Yes. That's the most common question I get. What's the difference between? Yeah, it's just 25 metres. It means a, a lot of tumble turns. You have to be really good. I would be terrible at this. Yeah. That's not your strength. No. <laughs> I personally loved short course. It was my favourite thing. Really? Oh, yeah. Did you not feel like dizzy from all the spinning and I only did four laps. <laughs> oh no, that's wrong. I did I did do eight laps once. <laughs> not once, a couple of times. There was this one time. There was this one time. By accident? No, no, no. I actually did a two hundred freestyle. Okay. I love it. It's so good. So fast. Right. Yeah. Is it part, would would you just use it like a training? Is it an element of training or you train for it? Uh, you don't train specifically for it because the Olympics is obviously the thing. Right. And world long course champs are the thing mm-hmm. that everyone 
is aiming for. But yeah. you can actually win a fair amount of um, prize money through short course racing. Right. Which is like That's fun. very important for <laughs> swimmers. Well, yeah, for a lot of swimmers it is and it, it's also really fun. Yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, you went to a sports lunch. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> it fell out of my head. Yeah, I went to a sports lunch on Friday, which was really interesting. I mean, that in itself is not the interesting thing because I've been to a lot of sports lunches, but predominantly for boys' schools. Ah. This is the first sports lunch that I went to for an all-girls school. Brilliant. Which was really cool. And the incredible Olympic gold medalist Nat Cook was there. She is a beach volleyballer for those who don't know. I mean, it's iconic. Her and Kerry Pothast winning on Bondi Beach is like an iconic moment from the 2000 Olympics. But she's so funny and she's so engaging. She's a brilliant speaker. Is she the ambassador for Brisbane 2032? What's her role in that? She's one of the directors. Wow. Yeah. So uh, talking about going into sports administration, that's definitely Nat's skill set. She's incredibly engaging. She was one of the really important elements of getting Brisbane, uh, the 2032 Olympics. But she said something really interesting around netball because we were talking about what sports, obviously netball is a big conversation at the moment, Mm. but we were talking about which sports were included in the Olympics and how you get uh, a sport into the Olympics. And it's interesting that netball, even though it's such a huge sport, it hasn't ever been at the Olympic level. Mm. Apparently they were one of the first to put in for the 2032 Olympics, like to bid to get towards it. But one of the reasons that has held them back is because not enough men play. Oh, the poor men. I know, the poor men. But the men have been playing before the Diamonds. But this is what's so interesting. It's so good. You can see the progress happening. Yes. So they have five years to before it's announced which sports will be involved in Brisbane. To build the men's So they've got comp. basically five years to build the men's comp. Right. To make sure that there's enough men playing netball. That's so interesting because I didn't even know that the men's comp was a big deal and until they started double billing it. Well, I don't think it with was. With the women's game. It wasn't. Clever. But, but I think the whole reason that it is now is to try and get that into the Olympics. It's I've played mixed netty um, social, in social teams before and it's so fun. The guys, they play it like rugby. <laughs> it's just the ball moves down the court so quickly. It definitely has a different tempo. I'm going to watch the next double header that comes up. Yeah. We have to give a massive shout out, shout out, uh, shout out so even uh, to Danelle Wallum. Who She's amazing. After two weeks of the most intense pressure that could be put on a player before they even step out on the court for their debut, she came on for the Diamonds in the last eight minutes in their match against England. Um, and it was really, it was a really close match. And in those eight minutes, she scored eight from eight and she won the match in the dying seconds with the most incredible layup. To the post. I didn't even I know you ever could. Seen. I didn't know you could lay up in netball. Well, yeah. I mean, there's stepping rules, but she obviously knows those rules quite well. <laughs> yes. And she does come from basketball, so her background is basketball and AFL, and she got brought across to netball in WA. And so I love that her instincts just kicked in, and mm. that's what she did to get as close to the post as possible. Like you couldn't have written a more beautiful storyline if this is not a sports movie, right? I, I don't know what is. Unbelievable. That was just beautiful. I think it was the perfect way to 
put a full stop around some of the commentary, the really racially motivated mm. commentary that had been aimed in her direction and, and, and no doubt continues to. But I think w- what a way to clap back. Yeah. Uh, best way. Like that is the best part. Just, of just let my sport do the talking. Yeah, Thank you. exactly. Just let it. Here you go. But I do think in this country we need to understand why our First Nations people can't express their deep trauma Mm. And for that to be heard in a culturally sensitive way and for that to be dealt with appropriately and acknowledged and respected, I think we've got to learn. We've got to do better than we've done in the last two weeks. Beautifully said. There's been a bit of running going on. Ooh. People have been running. Well, yeah, no, I'm not talking about myself. (laughs) I mean, I can, but we shouldn't. This Um, is where I tell you about all the runs I've been doing. uh, Libby, I don't know. I'm a bit of a runner. No, I'm talking about... (laughs) Our mate, Salty Jocks. Yes, James. <clears throat> James, who has four kilometres left to run today. He's raised over $10,000 for the Royal Flying Doctor's Service. So good. By running 496 kilometres. With a wheelbarrow. And his two children in it. Amazing. We, uh, just, he, he's just been fantastic. So well done to James. Get those four kilometres done. Couldn't be more impressed with what you've achieved. Amazing. In the short week, a short period of time. The other thing that came up in my feed this week and I think it's worth talking about is the first oh, – her name is Michelle. I need to look up her last name. I'll find that for you in a minute. But her Instagram handle is First Australian Female. So she's the lady I've spoken about before who is currently rowing from the US coastline to Australia. What? Yeah. Do you not remember this? You don't. <laughs> this is brand new information. Okay. <laughs> So I want Tell to, me again. So this, I thought I've not heard it before. I want to read you her post just to round out today's episode. I'm starting to head south now, so getting into the South Pacific. I'm southwest of Hawaii now, 12 degrees. Between 3 to 7 degrees, things get serious as we're near the equator. My weather router is getting serious about the weather charts and currents to get across the equator. I'm also nursing my batteries. Power's been a bit fragile, so doing everything manually in the day. Manual foot steering and everything else manual until my batteries are fully charged and today I'm starting to see some good results. Earlier this week I had some horrendous weather. I looked out of the cabin in the morning and had to go back inside for the whole day and most of the next day. The sea state was so hectic. I couldn't even leave the hatch open. I was being thrown around and dumped on. It was something like 20 to 25 knots, unlike any weather I've ever been in before. It was so hot in the cabin too, I hung a shirt over the window of the cabin to stop the heat from coming in. I'd sneak out for just brief moments just to go get food and go to the bathroom. Being cabin bound is so hard. It was the worst day, but I was also reminded that it was a forced rest day, a chance for my body to have a day off. In 74 days, I have not taken a day off the oar. I did a lot of meditation on those days. Everyone got a phone call as well. It didn't warrant a cry. It didn't warrant a tantrum. I had to say to myself, this too shall pass. Three quarters through the next day, I stuck my head out of the cabin. I'm just going to give it a go, I said to myself. If it doesn't work, I can always go back in. So I gave it a go. I ended up rowing in 20 knot winds and big seas. It was so awesome, like breaking new barriers. Now I know I can row at 20 knots. It was a, a confidence building exercise, to be honest. Whilst it looked scary, it wasn't what it seemed. These are the lessons I'm learning. Wow. Isn't that incredible? 
<laughs> don't have words. Yeah, I know. I just think that's phenomenal that she – I mean, it's so hectic out there that she can't even leave the cabin. Mm. And then she was like, actually, let's just do it. What else am I here for but to row in massive seas? Unbelievable. Like how many of these like endurance things are happening around the world at the moment? I know. And I just I, – I mean, I need to stumbled on her. How else would – you don't know about them until you find them and then, then you just like, whoa, how, how do you do this every day? Yeah, every day. Do you know how long it's supposed to take her? A long time. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's what I know. <laughs> I just looked at her and went, that's going to take a while. I think we better fact check that. Yeah, she's in, I mean, she's near Hawaii. That's close. Yeah. I would get to Hawaii and go, I'm out, guys. I'm done. This place looks pretty nice to me. That looks like a big island and I'm in. We should wrap this up. Yes. You want, I, I, I. <laughs> Yes, we should. Do you want to wrap it up? Thank you for listening to the Sports Social. Uh, if you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe, like, share. All of the things. We really appreciate everyone who listens or gives us feedback. Like that just absolutely lights us up. So thank you to everyone who's done that so far. Otherwise, have a great week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.